Hello, everyone. My name is Suki Thompson. Welcome to Reset, the podcast, a place for you to get some inspiration and advice to help you live a more fulfilling work life. I do hope that your journey to feel more connected, more inspired, just a bit more energized starts here. Take a moment now with me to reset. I love makeup and admire many female entrepreneurs. And Christina Flack, president and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup, embodies the best in both. In this week's Reset the Podcast, Christina shares with me how she first got into the makeup industry after seeing how, how makeup helped her friends and family to just feel better about themselves. She talks about her journey that her brand has been on and how her experience as a makeup artist allows her to find innovative ways to be creative with her brand. The sudden and heartbreaking loss of her husband, Ken Flack, gave Christina and her son a huge unwanted and unplanned reset. But she shares with us how she found the inner strength when the world was pulled out from under her and explains how being disciplined with herself, taking time to help others and making sure she is always kind to herself as well as those around her, helps her to now live her life to the full again. Christina's positive attitude to life is contagious and I love her poignant message that when you have to overcome the darkness, the light will be so much brighter. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your colleagues and friends and don't forget to like it. Thank you. Christina, how lovely to meet you because I've never seen, I've never met you or I've obviously seen you before, but I'm so excited to talk to you today. How are you? Uh, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm good. One of the things that we do at the beginning of our uh, workshops, actually, and particularly in the work that we do at Let's Reset, is we ask a question. And I'm fascinated to know the answer to this for you, which is Ask away. <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, how energized do you feel today? I'm a good nine and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Do you know what? We've only been talking for a short while before this. If I had to guarantee that somebody was going to be up there at that score, it was you. So I'm yeah, glad. I mean, I could actually say 10. I feel like yeah. my energy's, you know, my uh, tea and vitamins have kicked in and the green juice. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I worked out. I'm good. Yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> On my piece of paper here, she's going to be a nine to 10. So, do you know, that's a lovely, lovely way to start. Um, Christina, we've got lots of things to cover. I want to talk. Okay, about, let's start. I want to talk about creativity. I want to talk about some of the of the challenges that you've had and, and the way you've overcome them. Um, I want to talk obviously about well-being and health. We're going to talk a little bit about gut because we both have a passion for, for talking about gut. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. And just get to get to know a little, little bit more about you. Um, okay. Let's start. You know, you are you're an amazing now 
uh, celebrity, but you you have a, a makeup brand and you do hair. You look for those that don't can't see you. Um, have a look at how wonderful and inspiring and empowering you look as a woman. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but, but how did it start? Tell us where you grew up and and how did you get into even loving makeup and hair? Because you know, I think there's a big difference for me. I, I love it now, but I could never have imagined having a career out of it. I don't think that when I was growing up, I imagined that this was going to be my career. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, I did my my first person I did makeup for besides myself was my mother. Um, she was going out with my father on a date and she had had brain cancer and had gone through chemo and radiation and her skin was all discolored and I just wanted her to look like the best version of her to go out with my dad. And I used her few makeup products that she had and miraculously she looked and felt so much better, which with, which was what I loved uh, to make her feel so good. And I started just doing friends and family and then weddings and then uh, photographers heard about me and I worked with them and I miraculously got a portfolio together and I submitted it and was signed with Ford New York who has, they sign eight um, artists. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how it started. And uh, it's been, and then I started my makeup line, which I never expected to do. I, I was a mother. Well, I am a mother. I am a mother of five and I was driving around all the time having this, you know, battle between my water bottle and the lip gloss and I just thought I can't find one that's long lasting, that's not matte and drying and anything that's, you know, feels moist and good on my lips lasts like two two sips of water. So I thought, how hard can it be? I'll just, uh, you know, work with a beauty chemist and I will come up with my own and, you know, ignorance is bliss. You know, it's like, oh, I can do that. Who was I to think I could do this? But I decided to do it. And um, it was really an interesting experience because you work uh, with a beauty chemist, you formulate the form that the texture of it first. And then once that is exactly how you want, then you go into the color segment where you, I am, I was up until now self-funded. And so I wanted all my colors to look good on all my rainbow color friends and family. And so I tried it out on all of them. And then I would send comments back to the chemist and then we would just, and it took, um, it took over a year, which I didn't expect it to take. And, um, Right. So it was, but it was a really interesting process and I enjoyed it all the entire time. And, you know, you don't get a, a book and says how to start a makeup company. It's kind of like, oh, okay, you work with the chemist and then you need to get packaging and labeling and get it in stores. And it, it's, it's a lot more. And I, my client and dear friend slash brother, Tyler Florence always says, you know, if anyone knew how hard it was to do something exceptional, no one would do a damn thing. <laughs> Because it does take so much time, right? And money, you don't know. But I'm glad I didn't know. And I'm glad I did it. I am very proud of my line. Uh, You know, we're still going strong and since 1999. So we've been a small brand. And right now, I have a new business partner for the last two years, Jordan Hall. And we are expanding our line and we have investors. So we're going into just a different way of of working it's just yeah. not going to be on my everything on my american express bill like it's well you know, do you know what i know that feeling i know that feeling and several of my businesses i felt like a bank account for them for so long right and, you know there's always two there's always two moments in my business one is when 
it, you know, we look at the cash flow and I don't need to bail us out. So that's one. And then the second one is always when my mum asks me if I'm financially okay. Um, it is just hilarious. I'm like, mum, I'm literally fine. And she always gets to that moment of going, oh, maybe you've just spent too much money on your new business. Maybe you haven't got any. But um, um, but let's just go back. So you have five children. Oh, my God. I do. I, I can't even children. imagine. I have two. I can't even imagine having time to think about setting up a business. I mean, I absolutely get the point about not having a lipstick that stays on. But how mm -hmm. did you even get that time at the beginning when you were trying to look after five children as well? Well, when I started the brand, I only had the girls, the two girls. And so I, you know, and you're not handed five at one time. So I had the two girls, then I had Nikolai, and then, then I had my twins. And so, and I had help. I was very blessed. I had a nanny. Uh, so that made things a lot easier. And I was able to work at, in my office in my home. So right. I don't know how I did it, but it was, I did it. And now my kids are all grown. My oldest is going to be 29 and uh, Melania is going to be 29 and Rose is going to be 27 and Nicholas is going to be 22. And Ben is going to be 16 next month. So I'm pretty much alone all the time. So it's a, it's very interesting. I'm able to travel. Uh, last week I was in Denver shooting a show with Fox. Uh, you know, I went and shot a TV show with Tyler Florence for six weeks in uh, Southern California. And so I'm, I'm able to go wherever I need to, wherever my agents send me is where I go. And, and that was actually the next thing I was going to come on to, which is, you know, often, particularly for female entrepreneurs, and I wonder whether this is one of the reasons that you're now, you know, taking external investment and building the business as well as doing all those other things, that there's, an, there's a sense of empowerment and freedom. I know a lot of other stuff has happened in your life as well, but you get mm -hmm. as your children leave home and I, you know one of the things that I found so often is that often men that I talk to as they're getting towards you know in their 50s getting towards 60 they're like oh I can't wait to basically leave work whereas women are going do you know what my children are just leaving this is amazing this is my moment I feel energized and ready to do more yes I agree with you yes it's I I feel like I was able to give my children 110% when they were growing up. And now it's time for me to focus on my career more aggressively than I was able to before. So that, and, and without the guilt, without the mommy guilt that one gets. Yeah. And yeah. So, so it's very nice to have that freedom. It's fun to be able to get a call from my agent or a producer or something and go jump on a plane and not have to be scrambling and worrying about who's going to be watching the kids. The only thing I need to walk, take is my puppy over to the nanny, puppy nanny. And, uh, and then I'm off. You know, the same as me. I've got rid of my nannies and my, you know, and now I have to sort the dog out. Oh, honestly. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah. that's always the problem is just sorting the dog out, you know, sorting but he's, and he's sitting here right now. He's, uh, he's great. What's his name? His name is Parker. He's a little black sheep too. Oh, lovely. How lovely. Yeah. He's, ador he's adorable. My cockapoo will, will wander in at some point. <laughs> um, of course. So, Christina, so you you know you've got this. You've got your children growing up. You've got this amazing business that's growing. You know you've got 
thousands of followers on Instagram and you are, you know, you're a real fashion icon in many ways and your makeup is becoming really popular. Um, and you seem to have, you know, a wonderful marriage to a, a tennis pro. And then suddenly, and it feels like in a very short space of time, I don't know how long he was ill for, that all came to a shuddering halt. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yes, of course. So I was married to Ken Flack. He and his partner, Rob Sagusa, were the number one tennis players, doubles players in the world in the 80s and, and 90s. they were amazing. I've watched loads of films of them now, weren't they? I mean, yes. Oh, they were hilarious. They had such, they were such showmen, the two of them. Yeah. They, they, they had such a beautiful relationship. It was, Ken would always make jokes that Rob was his first wife. Um, <laughs> and so they just, they had been playing together since they were teenagers and through college and their career. And so they really had similar uh, senses of humor and uh, they really just, they were very funny together. And so uh, Ken and I were married for eight years and he got sick with bronchitis. Um, and we called our doctors at Kaiser Permanente and the advice nurse uh, transferred us over to the doctor. The doctor spoke to him for about three minutes and did not uh, choose to see him. And, but he prescribed cough medicine with codeine and an inhaler for an infection of the throat and the chest and everything. Unfortunately, uh, because when you have an infection brewing in your body and you take cough medicine with codeine, it makes the infection, your, your uh, breathing slows down and the infection grows at an insane rate. And then it turned into pneumonia, which turned into sepsis within a matter of 12 hours. And I rushed him to the emergency. He was spitting up blood. They put him on life support pretty much instantly. And he didn't regain consciousness after that. And sepsis is an infection of the blood that attacks all your vital organs. And uh, he, I took him in on a Thursday and by Monday, all his organs had shut down, his arms and legs had turned black. And I asked the doctor when he would be, when would the discoloration in his limbs go away? And they said, well, if he survives, they will have to be amputated. And I just knew that I knew he wasn't going to survive. His organs were so bad and I was never going to cut off his arms and legs. Um, I, I mean, that's just not going to happen. So we had his children and I had to take him off life support and um, it was very hard, but it, it was just the only option. Uh, so after he passed, I, the uh, sepsis Alliance contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to raise awareness in Ken's honor. And I thought that would be great because I was unaware of the signs as was Ken. And so yeah. I started doing that. I started speaking on podcasts and TV and radio and magazines to raise awareness for sepsis. Uh, if you listeners go to sepsis.org there and scroll down, there's a little uh, diagram that says time. And what that is, the T is for temperature. You can be hot or cold. So that's why it's a bit confusing. Yes. I is for infection in some place in your body. M is for mental decline. It's hard for them to, like, they're just kind of confused and out of sorts. And E is for excruciating pain. Uh, you feel like you're dying because you are. And it's a pain, you know how, you know how your body feels during a cold and a flu. Mm -hmm. And this is 
it's this is kind of like childbirth the first time you're doing it. It's a pain you don't know exists. And I think that's probably the best way to describe it. And so sepsis is absolutely curable if you're treated in a timely fashion. It's not one of those things like a cold that you think, oh, I'll go to the doctor in the morning if I don't feel better. Sepsis, you need to be seen if you have any of those signs immediately. You need to go to the doctor, get a blood test, and they'll get you on an IV antibiotic and, and you'll survive. But unfortunately, Ken's doctors uh, did not see him. And so we unfortunately had a horrific outcome. Yeah, awful, awful. Um, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know you've talked about it a lot of times, but it still must be hard to relive those moments um as you go through uh, and this was in was it in 2018 yes march of 2018 gosh and now you reflect back on it you know uh, we're talking to quite a lot of people this month about about grieving and the process of going mm-hmm. through that and you know i don't want to go into that in a lot of detail but how did you help yourself and how did you help your family just go through this well, I think you know, I had lost my son, Bo, on Christmas Day. Uh, it'll be 16 years uh, this December. And so that was just beyond words awful. And so I was a little bit more prepared for when Ken passed because I knew that I couldn't go down that dark hole of self-medicating with you know, sleeping pills or alcohol. I did that for a, about 30 days uh, when Bo passed and then it was just like, I knew I was, I had other children and I just knew I, I couldn't do that. I I was, I'm not an addict. It's just not in me. And so I knew I had to just deal with it. And so when Ken passed, I knew that I just had to really be extra disciplined, which I already am. I started exercising, you know, morning and afternoon, and it wasn't like any big thing. It was maybe go for a hike or ride my horse or go to Pilates or yoga or something. Um, Just getting outside, getting some fresh air was really helpful. I also knew that if I got too tired or too hungry or didn't exercise or just all of everything seemed so much worse than it was. And so if I could keep those things kind of in check, uh, I was able to go through the beginning stages of grieving in in a, a, as best I could. It was just, easier for me. I also felt that my daughter, Melania, actually, who was living in London at the time, uh, going to Central St. Martin's, she came home and she came into my office and I was just a mess. And she said, you know, mom, you have to be grateful for the time you had with Ken and not be angry and bitter because after Bo died, Ken made you laugh and smile again and made all of our family happy. And so we have to be grateful for that. And those words were just so amazingly profound to me and changed my whole outlook. And so when I started thinking about adding to the things to do, being grateful, being grateful for the the eight years I had with him, being grateful that he helped heal my children and even my ex-husband, Bo's father. Uh, And so it's of course hard, but I think being grateful does change things. And then also they say that helping others helps one grieve. And so I think that helped me by doing these interviews. I know I've helped save so many lives. In fact, one of my dearest friends, Melinda, she heard a podcast of me. She wasn't my friend at the time, um, 
but she texts, she DM'd me on Facebook and it was so weird because I usually don't really look, check it. And uh, she said, I think my husband has sepsis. And I said, well, get him to the hospital quickly. Here's my cell, keep me posted. And she did, and he was septic. And so we, we saved him. And so she always says that I'm her angel. And so two years later, she called me crying and she said, oh my God. And it was literally two days before Ken's like second year uh, anniversary of his passing and said, uh, my husband just died of sepsis. And I'm like, how is that possible? You know, that he got it again? Like, oh my God. So, Gosh. you know, she, it, it helped me to help her through her grieving process. And then she also said, I'm so grateful that I had those two extra years because if it hadn't been for an interview, she heard me do, yeah. she would, you know, she would have lost him yeah. two years earlier. And so I've heard from so many people over the years. Um, and that does make me so happy to hear people's lives are being saved. And, and oh, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't want anyone to go with what our family has gone through. And uh, so that does help. And I think the suddenness of it is so difficult, isn't it? And I, and I, and I, and I completely agree. We know that it's it is so shocking. It's just like oh. your world gets, yes. You have no time. You don't, you just don't have any time, do you, to say all the things that you want to say? No. And I think that's why you and I've had this conversation earlier of that you just have to always tell everyone that you love them and not waste time. Uh, and be happy with every day of your life and really live like you're dying. I mean, I don't mean it like that, but I kind of do like, just, you know, think that this could be your last day. How would you want it to live? And you don't want to waste time. And so maybe that's why I can be so focused on my career and my business and my children and all the things in my life, because I want to give it my all and not have any regrets that I didn't give it a hundred percent. So I think and, Everything and is a blessing end. in its way, and you have to kind of learn that. Yeah, sorry, Christine, to interrupt. Um, Mm-mm. you're Mm-mm. you're so right, and you are amazingly positive. Have you always been a very positive person, or have have things like Ken and Bo has that changed your attitude? I think I, you know, my friend Diana always makes jokes that I'm allergic to being in a bad mood. I wake up in a happy mood every day. I'm not uh, someone that is moody or grumpy or I, I have, I have a very good <laughs> I think. And so, uh, but I will say that having had those experiences, it has uh, raised my level of being grateful and being positive and not folk, I, it would be very easy for me after losing my mother, my baby, my husband, and my business partner after Ken, that I could become very bitter and hate the world. But I want my, so it's so interesting. I think my daughter Rose had said to me a couple of years ago that my lectures on, you know, drugs and alcohol were lame. And she said that it was so much more impactful how I conduct myself, uh, my work ethic, how I treat people. And I didn't realize until she told me that, that how important my mental state is for my children to have a happy life. And so I realized that how really important I want my kids to be happy and love life and, you know, have wonderful things. And, but if they're having to worry about me and I'm off the deep end, it's going to affect them. So 
I do think it's important to set the example of a healthy relationship and a happy, loving relationship to your children, because how are they going to have one if they don't experience that with you? Oh, completely, completely. And I, I, you know, I agree. And I think, you know, we shared a little bit before we started talking that, you know, I'm often told I'm a very resilient person and I feel very, I, I think I am. I, I'm very fortunate from that. I think I've got some of it from my mum. Um, uh-huh. But I, I kind of, I work quite hard to be resilient. And by that, I mean, and you've touched on this a little bit, you know, when I know that I'm going through some difficult times, I do things like you, I do the grateful piece. I now increasingly focus on what I eat, how much I sleep, uh-huh. my gut health, uh, seeing the right kind of friends, doing the Absolutely. right kind of things for my creativity. Um, you know, and I, and I think it's a bit like, you know, and I used to feel very cross that people felt, said I was really resilient in some sort of slightly backhanded way of, oh, well, you haven't got any other skills, but we'll call you resilient. But, I, but No, I... I think that's frosting on the cake, your resilience. Do you? But I, you know, I kind of listen to you and I, I, you know, I feel the same thing. I think you, you know, you're amazingly resilient and you're super positive. And I wonder what else you do because there are, you know, you've clearly had dark days. How do you get yourself through those very dark times? Not so not, you know, maybe initially straight after a moment of grief. I get mm-hmm. that. But, you know, there are just some days... I just wake up and a few things go wrong at work and I'm like, oh, for goodness sake. And I try and stop myself from going down the tunnel of, well, all this is shit. But occasionally I let myself go, do you know what? This is just a shit day or a shit week and I'm going to cry, eat chocolate and watch a sad movie and then I'll be okay. Do you let yourself do that at all? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not always bright and cheery. Of course I have days where I'm, you know, bummed out or stressed out or whatever. But I, I guess when you, you know, it's so funny. I did this interview once and this woman was introducing me and she was saying that my life was tragic and I was appalled. And I just said, look, I have to disagree with you. My life is not tragic. I've had tragedies, but my life is not tragic. Tragic to me means I've given up and I'm sitting on a ball on the floor and that's not the case. So I think when you've had this dark, the darkness, the light is just so much brighter. And I, I think, right. And so I try to focus on the light. I don't sit there and harp on the negative and, you know, everything that's, so I just focus on the things that are good and positive. And so maybe I live in this, uh, I try to live in this land of pink, uh, but I, I just don't see the point in being all negative and doom and gloom. I don't think it's doing the world any good. I think there's always someone that has so many worse things than you. And so I think, you know, giving back, helping others, being positive, being kind makes me feel good. And so that's how I live. And then, you know, when I'm having a yucky day, believe me, I'll go get a massage or, or I'll go eat a carton of ice cream and watch a lifetime movie. I'll go out and get on. A, I'll just run out the door and go hike in the hills for a minute and get some fresh air. And you know what? Everything's better as soon as I get back. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to remove yourself from yourself. 
Yes. And so, right, remove yourself yes. from yourself. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yes. Sometimes you just get in the way of yourself and it becomes such Absolutely. a thing. And I'm like, just stop that. That's really, really unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and I love your point about, you know, helping children, your children, I think is a massive gift. And you clearly have given it to your, to all your children of this, of showing them a way to live their lives, of showing them what love looks like of showing them what a positive, healthy relationship with your body looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And I wonder how, you know, if I was talking to them now, how would they describe you? It's so interesting. My son, Nikolai, was describing his one of his sisters. And then I said, okay, well, what's that other sister like? And he said, and then the little brother and then the dad. And I said, oh boy, what am I? And he goes, oh, mommy, you're just love. And I just thought, oh, that is like the, he goes, you just love so big. And I just thought that was like the greatest compliment I have ever received from anyone. And he's like, you know, you almost love us too much. <laughs> and I said, sweetie, that's just not possible. So um, I, I think they, I think my kids think I, I don't know. They've all said to me, mom, we're grown, we're raised, like go live your life. But I still check on my kids every day. I send them a call or a text. They don't always respond because they're living their lives. And I've actually done my job so well that they're really independent, which is a little frustrating sometimes because I would like to be the mommy concierge like I used to be. But yeah. I have to say they all do call when they have a little cold or something. Uh, they call mommy and I send, you know, Whole Foods sends a basket of soup and juice and vitamins and uh to feel better so I still get to be mommy and that's it's lovely so I'm very grateful for my children they they are all old enough now that I enjoy them so they're through all the yucky teenagers stage and they're just lovely people and I I enjoy them and I love that they have uh selected careers well the, the two girls because they're out of university uh Rose went to NYU film school and she's a screenwriter in Los Angeles and Melania is a fashion designer and she's uh created a line called Ruja and she's working on a on a golf line a women's golf line now mm -hmm. and so I've always said to them figure out what you love doing so much that you wouldn't mind not getting paid because at the beginning you don't get paid and you need to put money, as you know, back into the company. And yeah. so I've told them and then figure out how to get paid and then figure out where you want to be. And so for me, I like to, be, I'm kind of a gypsy. I like to be here, there and everywhere. And my career works well for me because I am rarely in the same place. I may work with the same people. Uh, for example, I, I was in Denver uh, two weeks ago and, or last week, I don't even know where I was, but, uh, I worked with the same producer that I absolutely adore that I had worked with in Los Angeles with Isaiah Washington on uh, kitchen talk. And so it's, and I've had, you know, client Tyler Florence for over 15 years as a client. So I'm very blessed that I get to work with these people that I, you know, that are my friends that I love and adore so much. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like going back to camp. Yeah, loved. Oh, I know it is lovely. And, you know, I, one of the questions I was talking to one of our team, Gem, about was, you know, this thing around if you come back to what we talked about at the beginning about creativity and, and interesting that both your girls are, you know, in very kind of creative roles. Um, 
And, and certainly mm-hmm. when you're talking a lot about fashion, you've got your makeup line. It's in some ways you sort of do the job, which could also be a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I wonder um, whether that, you know, I, I love your point about do something you love because you won't get paid to be, at the beginning. But mm-hmm. is there a risk in making your career the same as something that you really, really love? No, I think that I don't ever, I think the, for the me that I've been asked this question so many times and aren't you scared? Do you have fear? No, to me, fear is not trying. My fear is to be in a job that I despise, that I don't wake up and I'm excited to go to. Uh, I don't look at uh, bumps in the road as failures. I look at them as lessons. And so, you know, if one thing doesn't work out, do something else. And I don't sit there and focus on what didn't work out. I will learn from what didn't work out and then try and make something else work. So I think uh, I I don't like hearing people complain about things without making change. I I think things get uncomfortable for us. That makes us forced to make change. I think being uncomfortable makes you make change in your life. And so there's been plenty of times where I am very, very uncomfortable and I've had to make change. And it's interesting. I heard somewhere that said, uh, you know how we sometimes think things are happening to us. They're actually happening for us. And so if we can remember that the universe is always on our side, trying to protect us and make our life fantastic, you will have a fantastic life and, and enjoy all the processes. I, I sometimes like I'm starting this new line. And it's frustrating how long things take. But then I think, well, it's giving me time to, you know, do another interview or spend some time with my kids or my friends or whatever, or travel. And so everything is going to work out when it's supposed to. And I just don't sit and worrying to me is the biggest waste of time and energy. It's basically praying for bad things to happen. So I'm, I, I really try and focus on the outcome that I want to have happen. Uh, so I'm very blessed because I have my makeup line, but I'm also a makeup artist. And so while I, like when we're talking about creativity, I love that I'm still able to be a makeup artist and be creative and uh, express myself artistically. I think it makes me a better CEO. It makes me a better mother. It makes me better everything because it brings me so much happiness and fulfillment in my, myself. So mm-hmm. I'm very lucky that I've been able to have both careers, but I also think if someone's thinking about changing careers, you can start by having your full-time career and then doing something on the side, have a part-time job, or maybe it's a job on the weekends or after work. And then if it, you know, at some point, if it gets, you know, successful and you're able to quit your other job, then you can do that. So it's not quite so terrifying when you think like, oh my God, I'm going to quit my job and do this thing because you have to be realistic. You have to pay your bills. So one thing is if you can do both, or maybe that'll give you enough balance in your life by having both your, your full-time job and then the job that brings you joy. Maybe that is enough for a while, or maybe you just completely segue after that is working into doing just what you love. Because yeah. doing what you love is, is really great, but it also makes, I think you're not going to, I think you will always be successful if you're enjoying what you're doing, because you are going to be spending so much time and effort on, you know, starting your own business. It's 24 seven. 
and you're having to look over, you know, there's social media, there's marketing, there's all these different aspects of it. And so if you don't love it, it's going to fail. I mean, yeah. I can promise you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You'll, you'll start, you'll start resenting it and hating it and then it won't work out. So no. that's why I always say whatever it is you love doing, then figure out how to get paid because oh, you will. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. And I think it's the same thing that I've said to both my children is do something that you really love. And I've been really fortunate to spend time doing, you know, the businesses that I love and um, with people that I really have cared about and have made a big difference to my life. And I like your observation about, you know, that that kind of sense of impatience, which is what I often feel. I, I have two feelings at the beginning of a business and it's happening again at the moment impatience that things don't happen quicker impatience that people don't just simply get and you know do what I have shown them is going to make a massive difference but also a sort of and I don't know if you feel this because we're constantly trying to get things to be better and because it's all still relatively new bearing in mind let's reset it's only two years old two and a bit years old um, mm-hmm. there's, there's almost that not self-flagellation every day of going, come on, we need to be better here or we need to learn this, which you don't get, I don't think, in such a same way once a business is more established. Um, but I wonder if you ever have that sort of feeling and maybe you do over a, a new line or something like that where you're trying constantly to improve. I think as obviously we're very type A and we always want things to get better, but I just also have learned to be kinder to myself. I, I'm sure you've done this, beat the crap out of yourself at the end of the day, focusing on, oh my God, I didn't get enough done. Instead of turning it around and thinking, wow, I worked really hard today. I got a ton done. I try to focus on what I did do instead of what I didn't do. Tomorrow's a new day and I will get more done. And so I just don't think it's productive or healthy to be focusing on the negative or what you didn't get done in the day. I think if you can just accept like some days flow really great and you get a ton done and and you feel like great. And then other days it's like, I'm working really hard and nothing's really happening, but I'm putting in this total effort, but it's just being accepting of, of the day and not focusing on that and just thinking, okay, it's, you know, I'm going to, finish work at whatever, six or seven, I'm going to have a nice dinner. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to sit out of my deck and look out at the water. I'm going to watch it. I just, I think it's important to have balance in life. That's why the exercise every day is important. Eating well is everything and having someone to love and enjoying being outside, getting fresh air. I just think that having balance in your life is just so, so important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I do really agree. And I think, you know, one of the things I've done in that moment of self-love is, uh, you know, some days, and, and actually a brilliant entrepreneur, Mike Adams, taught me this, is that just some days you just go, do you know what? This is literally not working today. So I'm going to go off and do something else. I'm going to just stop. Exactly. It's totally true. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Some days it's like, you know what? I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to just walk around. I'm going to go on a hike. I'm going to go with a friend. I'm going to do something other than this. I just have, this has to stop because it's just irritating me. And, and that maybe is a sign from the universe to take a break. I also think sleeping. I don't know. I I think as Americans, as a culture, don't sleep enough. And 
it's so, I mean, they don't call it beauty rest for nothing. It really does. Getting enough rest every day is so important for just your, your mental health, but your physical health as well. I think your body needs to rest, rejuvenate, and then it's going to be in a better place the next day. Oh, I completely so I, agree. And it comes up right? in shops all the time. So it's the same in the UK and across Europe and everywhere we work. Right. Um, people, but you know what? People say, oh, I don't get enough sleep or I don't sleep very well. But they don't really often focus on doing things that will make it better. You know, that's interesting because I think sleep for me, I have really had to learn to sleep uh it's hard to sleep for me. It's hard to calm down. So I have learned to, I take magnesium when I go to sleep. I try not to take a lot of caffeine, you know, after three o'clock. And I do not bring big rule. I don't bring my phone to bed. I don't turn, I don't look at my messages. It needs to be out of the room because energetically it just being there is chaotic. So you're really not, your subconscious can't really sleep because it knows it's there. However, I do put on a meditation app to go to sleep. And it's, I never hear the end of it. I turn it on. I'll read for a little bit and I have it ready to go. So I just push the button and I turn it on. And honestly, I'm asleep in like a minute. So that for me, I have learned that is something that helps me to fall asleep. The the calm app is fantastic. I love it. There's always the breathe, breathe and calm. There's two apps that I use. They're fantastic. I, I use calm all the day, all the day. Um, look, we're, we're, we're almost coming to a close, but I just wanted to touch on gut, gut health because we yes. had a bit of a love in about it at the beginning. Tell me what you do to look after your gut and the impact it has. Well, I think a probiotic is just has to be taken by everyone every day. I think it's important. I think bone broth is good. Collagen, having enough collagen in our diet as we age is super important. Uh, I take collagen peptides, as you and I discussed earlier. And this is something I've just started doing, so I'm very yeah. It's fantastic. Here. I take uh, I I drink a green juice every day. I drink uh, first thing in the morning water with either lemon, a little a lemon squeezed in, or some Bragg's apple cider vinegar, and I think that's super healthy. I don't drink every day. I will. I try to have a glass or two of wine a week, and you know on a Friday or Saturday. And then other, I call it school nights. I don't drink. And I think I can just tell you from the business I am in people that alcohol is not going to make you pretty smoking drugs, alcohol are not going to make you pretty. And so I guess I'm vain because I don't, (laughs) but I also, you know, if you do that, you're not going to sleep well. It just is a very bad negative cycle to be drinking every day. So I think that's important. Um, Yeah. And what about, um, uh, things like uh, I fanatically also drink kombucha. So oh, know, that's fantastic too. Yeah. You know, it's like the Bragg's apple cider. I think that's fantastic. Kombuchas yeah. are wonderful, and yeah. and green juice. I make a green juice every day. Of let's see, today's was grapefruit juice, power greens, blueberries, fresh ginger. Uh, I put in some turmeric, and I uh, blend it all. I throw in some cucumber sometimes. It just depends, and then I make a big thing of it, and I'll drink it. You know all during the day, I'll have like two or three glasses a day. If I'm on, uh, when I was doing the TV show in LA, I was going to press juicery like every day and getting, you know, six and I would have like, you know, three or four a day. But I think uh, consistency is a big, huge thing for me. I, 
I conduct myself the same, whether I'm home or if I'm on, on this, on the road, I don't eat differently. I, I, I exercise the same. I eat the same. I go to bed the same. Everything is the same. So I don't, I don't have these surges of gaining weight or not exercising because I just, it's just something I do like brushing my teeth every day. I work out no matter where I am. And it's actually been really interesting going to different cities, every city, you know, there's yoga classes all over the place and they always give like the first week, there's like a $20 or whatever membership for, to, for a week. So I can be in a city for a week going to yoga class every day, once or twice a day. Cause I don't have, there's no excuse for me not to go to a class because I don't have a house to clean or kids or anyone there to distract me. It's like, well, I can either sit on my bum and eat candies or I can go to yoga. So I try to do something. Yeah. And I, and I read a lot. I, I love reading. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But I think you're right. I think this piece around consistency, it's a conversation we have a lot you know, in, in our workshops and with people in business, because it does impact it. And, and I would say consistency in business, consistency in our life. You know, I know it sounds boring. Good habit. No, but it's, it's habit, not, you know, and it, and it just makes a difference because you, like you say, it then becomes like breathing. It becomes part of us. And I think, you know, for me, every seven years or so, I've reflected and changed things slightly because I'm getting older or my kids are changing or life is changing or my businesses are changing um but finding the new norm and it's not I never have that feeling of oh I'm going to do this now and then I'm going to go back to my old ways I I never do that I'm like you know what I'm going to change my diet this is my change diet now this is my new sports regime this is my new Uh dental health regime I'm not like I'm going to do it for a few weeks and then I can forget about it and I, and I wonder again, and I think I'm quite, well, I'm not unusual because people like you are like this, but I wonder why people don't get this. They think it's, it's a bit like, you know, I've been a new business person for years and years and years. I've got new business. I, I build and love creating communities and you can't ever just do it once. You have to do it constantly. And mm-hmm. that's trick. I don't think I'm any better. I don't think I'm any more brilliant. I just think I'm super consistent super consistent and relentless i would say that i am like i don't give up on things i really i get something in my head and i have a goal and that's it and i think if you look at all different i i read something somewhere i think oprah did some in thing on like what are the things that successful people do that they all wake up they meditate they exercise and they're disciplined. All these things to be consistent. That's what you have to do. It's that's why, like what Tyler says is true. If it was easy to be exceptional, everyone would do it. It's not. It's not easy to like. Sometimes I don't feel like working out, but I do it. Uh, and 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 sometimes I don't feel like doing stuff with work, but I just I I, I have a goal and I'm trying to reach it. And so I know I have to be consistent if I want to be to be successful. And I think that people, if, if they realize, you know, it, it just, it gets into a habit, the consistency becomes like your normal. And so, and, and you learn to get in the habit of, of doing these things over and over. And then it just is second nature and it's not such a struggle, but of course there are days that I want to blow things off. And I do now I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'll blow things off for a couple hours and, and just to get back on track. Cause I, I need my, my mind 
can't focus or I'm tired or something. So yeah. I think it's okay. Give yourself permission to have some fun. Like why, why do we have to, why does life have to be a struggle? I don't think it does. I think we should have fun. I think laughter is just like so important. I laugh all the time. I love to laugh and I laugh loud. And <laughs> I, I think it just brings joy to your, yeah. I don't know. It makes life happier. You know, you are so right. And Joe, Christina, you are, your friend described you as an angel for a, a very particular Aww. reason. But I think, do you know what? It is a little bit like meeting an angel with you. I, oh my I gosh. Feel, thank you. You've just given me a, a sense of, you know, just world is tough, but actually you can live it in an amazing way. You can make a real difference. And you absolutely have to keep doing some things to do that. But if you have a very positive outlook like you do, um, you know, what you're such a joy to be with, you're such a joy to talk to. And I can see why you are hugely successful. And I oh, I'm thank you so much. You. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was so lovely. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Reset the podcast, I'd love it if you would forward it to your work colleagues, friends, and family. Reset the podcast is a Let's Reset and Advertising Week global production. Executive producer is Richard Larson, with me, Suki Thompson. Thanks to our sponsor, Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits, and voiceover artist, Talitha Penny. Music provided by Audio Network.